Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. One of the good things about this job is that I do get to go to movies outside my comfort zone. This is actually a luxury. With the rising cost of everything, most of us are very careful about how we spend the king's ransom that's involved in a trip to the movies. We therefore tend to play it safe. But week in and week out, I'm contracted to go to three movies, and often there's not much choice. These are the cards that have been dealt this week. Get on with it. You're not in Kansas anymore. You're on Pandora. You should see your faces. We have an indigenous population called the Navi. They are very hard to kill. Actually, I was allowed to squeeze in another one this week, the re-release of the greatest show on Earth 13 years ago, Avatar, in preparation for the many sequels about to be sprung on us over the next few years. I have to say I needed a refresher in glorious 3D and 48 frames per second. I confess I remembered very little of the story. It's raining like magic. Deep in the heart of the forest, there is a magical world where wondrous creatures play the day away. But then it all started coming back to me. A magical land of forests with all sorts of creatures wandering around and a fairy princess with insatiable curiosity. One day she meets a blundering human in need of rescuing. Oh, and there's some sort of size-changing thing. You shrank me? Yeah. Catches on quick, doesn't it? Are you really a human? I'm Zach. I'm Krista. This weird creature is a human. Fairy Princess shows her potential new boyfriend to the folks who aren't impressed. But there's danger afoot as the humans' less appealing buddies all turn up with destructive machines. But with Zack came other humans. You see Zack anywhere? No. We probably cut out early. Who accidentally released an evil force named Hexus. There goes the neighborhood. Can the princess and her human boyfriend save the day, we wonder? I have to say, seeing it in 3D does help. I think I saw it the first time in flat 2D and was less than blown away. But even back then, I couldn't help thinking the plot seemed strangely familiar. Witness the wonder, the music, and the adventure of a place worlds away from anything you've ever seen. Fern Gully. So the tip when you see the next Avatar is definitely don't think of Australian kids' film Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. Even if half the cast of Avatar, The Way of Water, is equally Australasian. Cliff Curtis, Sam Worthington and, of all people, Jermaine Clement. Director James Cameron doesn't usually do comedy. Don't you think you're a little old to believe in human tails? Humans don't have tails. They have big, big bottoms that they wear with bad shorts. As for the rest of this week's cinematic fare, well, let's say we're outside my comfort zone again. There's a family comedy from Iran. This week is probably the worst possible one to release a film like Hit the Road. 
And there's an animated feature aiming at two conflicting audiences, the DC Comics crowd and the less demanding 6 to 10 set. Though I'm not sure either will be completely satisfied with DC League of Super Pets. All right, TV night with my pro. Oh, you're going on a date with Lois? So disrespectful. Oh, hey there, little fella. Frankly, I was equally confused initially by a National Geographic film called Fire of Love. Is it a nature documentary or is it a love story? This is Katya. And this is Maurice. (laughs) Tomorrow will be their last day. In France, science and romance often go together. Pierre and Marie Curie bonded over radioactivity, and before that, chemists the Lavoisier fell in love as they investigated combustion. Oceanographer Jacques Cousteau managed to conduct bigamous marriages with two scientific colleagues at the same time. So the story of Katja and Maurice Kraft, the stars of Fire of Love, shouldn't come as much surprise. They will leave behind hundreds of hours of footage, thousands of photos, and a million questions. I knew virtually nothing about Katja and Maurice until I went to Fire of Love, but by all accounts they were celebrities in France for the same reason as the Cousteaus. They converted their passion for volcanology, the study of volcanoes, into movies and TV documentaries. And you can't deny that footage of volcanoes is endlessly fascinating. Alone, they could only dream of volcanoes. Together, they can reach them. They meet on a blind date at a cafe. From here on out, life will only be volcanoes, volcanoes, volcanoes. While the crafts were nothing like as prolific as some TV scientists, their footage turned up anywhere that needed volcano coverage. They also wrote several books on the subject using Kutch's brilliant still photography. And the appeal was simple. They got closer than anyone else, and all their best shots are in Fire of Love. But the story behind these literally death-defying shots is unexpectedly sweet. Maurice and Katja met early, both come from the same region of eastern France, and realised immediately they were of one mind. They lived for volcanoes. She'd been inspired by Mount Etna, he'd got the bug with Mount Stromboli. And from then on, they would travel the world on the hunt for erupting volcanoes. C'est très dur de volcanologues qui vivent ensemble parce que c'est très volcanique. Donc franchement, ça fait des éruptions très souvent. <laughs> Maurice was the playful one. That's him doing volcano puns about their relationship. Lots of eruption gags. Katja was the more reflective one. She wrote the books, and when she wasn't acting as Maurice's unpaid model getting close to the torrential rivers of lava, she'd be taking the even closer photos. For Katja and Maurice, the unknown is not something to be feared. It is something to go toward. Moi, j'aime bien qu'il marche devant moi. Je me dis, s'il va se tuer, je préfère être avec lui, donc. 
you find yourself wondering which one was the crazier, or at least the most foolhardy. For the first half hour, I was prepared to give the biscuit to Katya, chortling beside a terrifying red-hot fountain of magma, protected only by the wafer-thin silver material of a sort of heat-proof parka. But then Maurice put his hand up and set out in a rubber dinghy across a lake filled entirely with sulfuric acid. Katja, who's a chemist, told him not to be stupid. A clear case of pots and kettles, I'd have said. When I tell you that the other item on Maurice's bucket list was to canoe down a mountain on a stream of molten rock, you'll see the crafts didn't dream like the rest of us. The appeal of Fire of Love is how calm, sweet and, yes, romantic it is. The narration is by performance artist Miranda July, no stranger to eccentric affairs of the heart herself with films like Me and You and Everyone We Know. Director Sarah Dosa's theme seems to be that love is strange anyway, so why should the love of two people who spend most of their lives climbing erupting volcanoes be any stranger? Katja and Maurice insisted that this type of close-up study had to be done. Me fait remarquer que nous sommes fous de rester là. Et pourtant, nous restons. One thing I learned from Fire of Love is there are basically two kinds of volcanoes. There are the spectacular red ones offering the scarlet rivers of liquid rock and explosive fountains of the stuff, and there are the grey ones which will kill you. Mount St Helens was one of those with an explosive power many times greater than the Hiroshima atom bomb. Needless to say, Katja and Maurice couldn't wait to go there. For them, an event like that was, believe it or not, date night. In this world lived a fire, and in this fire, two lovers found a home. I've been regularly surprised by the films of Iran. You expect stories and veiled criticisms, maybe, of religious intolerance, and then you're confronted with films as urbane, sophisticated and westernised as A Separation, The Salesman and A Hero. But suddenly the events of the past weeks shake you out of those comfortable ideas too. So where does a film like Hit the Road fit? Hit the Road boasts one of the year's most arresting beginnings. A car radio plays a classical piano piece. An eight-year-old boy mimes on a keyboard he's drawn on his father's plaster-cast leg. Mother and older brother look worried in the front. They're parked by a motorway in the desert, waiting for something. What can it be? Kamarban. 
They're waiting for a phone call, releasing them to take off on a clearly hazardous or at least illegal enterprise. And when the phone rings, it all kicks off. In particular, the kid brother who starts talking and doesn't stop throughout the film. Onward, he yells, and we're off on a road movie that takes the family from one end of Iran to the other. First the desert, then fertile plains, rocky terrains, and finally misty mountains where you can barely see your hand in front of your face. It's clearly been a family decision, but one that the kid, none of the characters seem to have names, just descriptions, has been left out of. We should tell him, says the mother. What sort of upbringing are we giving him? Just endless lies, lies, lies. And the father reminds her what he's like. Tell him anything and it'll be round the neighbourhood in half an hour. Dad has not only a broken leg in slightly mysterious circumstances, but he's also broken both wrists. Half the movie he's trying to negotiate a cigarette lighter, and the other half is reminding the older brother how to drive the car. Seatbelt, rearview mirror, look both ways. The brother can't wait to get out. Which is what's happening. The older son is being sent, or allowed, it's not quite clear, overseas to seek his fortune. The parents have sold up everything. The car they're driving is a rental, which is why Dad is so paranoid that the young kid will scratch it. Dad clearly knows his son. As they pass a group of cyclists, the kid rolls down the window to talk to them. Distracted, one rider smashes into the side of the car. Hard to know which one is more dented. He's crying, says the kid. If he's crying, he's okay, says Dad nervously. Let's get out of here. Hit the Road has all the character subtleties and slow release of information we've come to expect from Iranian films. But it's also very funny, which I'm less used to. And when the car finally pulls up in front of a squad of rather sinister-looking people smugglers and the kid leaps out with a friendly, Hello, villagers! It's hard not to be reminded of other road movies like Little Miss Sunshine. The kid is astonishing. He's an infuriating force of nature, struggling, shouting, arguing, lip-syncing favourite songs, getting in the way, until suddenly you realise he's also the warm, beating heart of the movie. He has absolutely no filter, unlike his brother, who is all filter until he finally opens up to his father in one gorgeous seven-minute shot by a river. Watch out for a perfectly timed flock of birds behind them. 
گفتن که میری یه دو سه روزی هم ممکنه علاش میگم شما بری اینجا ولت کنیم بریم مامان تو من Hit the road is gorgeous in so many ways, partly because it's so unexpected, particularly now. My favourite moment is when Mum tries to keep a brave face after a string of mishaps, near misses and disasters. One day she tells the monosyllabic brother, we'll look back on this and laugh. Seriously, he says. If you've been to a cinema full of under 10s, you'll know there's not a lot to be said in favour of the experience. But one thing about that audience, they're not cynical. They've been looking forward to this all week, they're hopped up on chocolate, and they can't wait to see Super Pets. Wake up, buddy. It is walk o'clock. Maybe I should let him sleep. Okay. Actually, its full name is DC League of Super Pets, which isn't encouraging. But the audience I saw it with knew what to expect. When puppy Crypto hitches a ride with baby Kal-El as the planet Krypton explodes around them, one clear eight-year-old voice called out, That's Superman's dog. And I'm up. Okay, Crypto. We'll go for a walk. Indeed it is, and the opening scene where Superman's dog tries to get his owner out of bed for a walk was the highlight of the film for my neighbours. The more the dog, voiced by Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, plays with dopey Superman, the better they liked it. I have an owner, and he's Superman. Let me just iron that out. They should call me Iron Man. <laughs> no. But sadly, that audience was lied to by its trailer. Super Pets has been colonised by the DC League of Animators, who thought their mission was to spoof DC's comic book superheroes. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman and the rest. These are the people who did the same job on the Lego movies, after all. Well, well, well. If it isn't the Justice League. Superman? Through a mixture of misadventures, supervillain Lex Luthor takes Superman and Crypto out of the picture with green kryptonite and also chucks some hitherto never heard of it orange kryptonite into the local pet shop. So now Soup and his dog are essentially non-super, but the humble inhabitants of the pet shop, a dog, a squirrel, a pig and a tortoise, all get superpowers. Super strong. I should be a lot more dead right now, right? My best friend is in danger, and you have to help me. Well, we're just a bunch of shelter pets. <gasps> but they're stronger than you think. And if you've got super pets, you have to have a super villain pet, a sinister guinea pig who used to work in Luther's laboratory. You know, evil Lex Luther, Superman's arch enemy. Do keep up. The trouble is, my audience had rather lost interest in keeping up after rather more exposition about the DC universe than anyone needs. Superman. I am Lulu. And you will kneel before me, you piece of...
Aw, aren't you a little ray of sunshine? The endless chatter from the screen, The Rock's never had so much dialogue in a film, and it's matched by supervillain Lulu the guinea pig, voiced by the often irritating Kate McKinnon, started to be echoed by chatter in the audience. It's a sign that a movie is failing to grab a very young audience when the prospect of another visit to the loo is more appealing than in-jokes about product placement and licensing. What do I have here? <gasps> Squeezy Bruce! Batch! That better be a licensed toy or I will freak out. Yes, that is another Batman, putting the number of Batmen currently in play in the DC Universe into double figures, I think. This time it's Keanu Reeves, proving that all actors sound the same when they do the Batman voice. (laughs) When one has an abundance of power, they have a certain duty to use that power to... Sorry, you were saying something? Best thing about DC League of Super Pets is another team-up of The Rock and his buddy Kevin Hart, who plays the street-smart ex-normal dog Ace. The pair are genuinely funny, and their stuff works across the board. Kids love them, parents like them, and it shows what the movie could have been if they'd cut back on the comic book store chatter. How much did you have to drink? I had two toilet bowls and a bidet. Bidet, too, which is, which is crazy. I didn't even know that was a thing, but it's like a dog water fountain. But that's the problem with DC Comics films and why they're usually outplayed by their Marvel and Disney rivals. So often they're tone-deaf with no idea who exactly they're aiming at. Kids or comic book geeks, just pick one. Or in my case, fewer than one. This just seems gross. We mean gross. Smelling stuff is one of the greatest joys of being a dog next to licking any part of your body. And I lick myself all the time. Well, that explains the breath. But the good news about the younger set is they're amazingly forgiving as an audience. As they came out of the cinema, they'd already forgotten the endless dialogue and extended fight scenes. They'd just seen Superman's dog. Good enough. And sometimes I miss those days when every visit to a cinema was a trip to your comfort zone. Was it any good? I don't understand the question. And on that note, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.